This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako. Uh, we're taking the week off yet again, but we'll be back soon with brand new programs. But we thought we'd share another great old episode from the Wayback Machine from Monkey Radio with Mark, which inspired Funny People Talking, basically a reboot of Monkey Radio. Uh, this particular episode is with Miles Maker, a very, very cool cat. He's an award-winning visual artist, a commercial photographer, a producer of independent motion pictures, and just a really great guy. And uh, we had a chance to talk to him uh, quite a few years ago, and it was a great conversation and a very fun episode, and we thought uh, maybe we would share it with you again. So here is a classic episode of Monkey Radio with Mark right here on Funny People Talking with my former co-host and great friend Ben Rose with our producer Elsie herself and our guest Miles Maker. Enjoy the show. Kind of radio swings through the trees, has fleas and dirt on its knees. Monkey radio, yeah, monkey radio. What kind of radio in charge of the world would give a banana to every boy and girl? Monkey radio, <laughs> monkey radio. With funky Elsie and monkey Mark, I'd rather walk through Central Park in the dark than listen to one transmission of monkey radio. That's just simply not true. They sure work hard, don't they, Barney? Yeah. I hate to see them work so hard. Yeah, me too. Um, let's go around back where we can't see them. Hello? I'm about to do you a big favor. From the Monkey Radio Studio in New York City. And with more than 275,000 downloads worldwide, this is Monkey Radio. I'm gonna make a list, I'm gonna be a hit, I'm gonna live for it. So proud of it. Just welcome to the show, everyone. Hello. I'm your host, Mark. I am Ben. Welcome back. Our second show of 2013. Joy. We have a great show today. You know, it's funny. I always say that. Just one day, I'd like to see a host say, we have a kind of average crappy show today. Yeah, it might suck, but watch it anyway. Exactly. But no, we really do have a good show today. Mm -hmm. We are going to talk about public displays that you may not necessarily want to be around. Hmm, Maybe too many gams in the cornfields. I'm not sure what that meant, but it does sound interesting to me. I'll explain later. (laughs) We're also going to play a great game, Ben, a new feature. Yes. We always love those, called What If. What If. Yeah, we're going to explore movie concepts Hmm. made up on the spot. Oh. I love making up stuff on the spot. I do, too. The spot is always a fun place to make stuff up. It is. Right on the spot. I wouldn't choose any other. I know. What is the spot anyway? We talk about this infamous spot. Is that like the they? They invented it. Yeah, the I think. Spot? I think it's the center of it. It is. Also, the center of our program will be our interview today with a very, very interesting cat named Miles Maker. He is very a, a rising director, a story creator. 
and uh, I think everyone's going to be pretty interested in this in this interview. I do too. Miles Maker, do tune in for that. I think everyone's going to be into that interview. Do tune in for that. Do tune in. Do tune in. Do tune in. in. You know, I cannot say that. Do tune in. Do tune in. Do tune in. Does this sound like a chemical of some sort? It does. Everyone to tune in. I need a bit of to tune in to uh, my congee, and then we added a bit of basil, and we ate it. Sounds like you've got the uh, runs. And nothing but some to tune in. To tune in. Well, it always helps a bit with that. I don't know. That should be the that should be the uh, catchphrase. To tune in, it always helps with that. <laughs> is that what it is? It always yeah. helps with that, which is great because you could just make the commercial and then figure out what it does. I am now wanting to do that. I might have to go ahead and shoot that. <laughs> you know, because you don't have to figure out what the chemical does in advance. You Not can at just all. do the marketing and, it happens... and let the marketing catch up with its purpose. Yeah, I'm seeing it all right now. It's all to tune in. No one does that. Everyone figures out what something I'm gonna, is and I'm then gonna change it. things. Are you? I'm going to change Is it the beginning of a revolution? Everyone, hold on to your a pants. A renaissance! That's right. Hold on to your underwear. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy... Subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. All right, so I want to talk about something. I want to talk about public displays Oh, either voluntary or involuntary that are just not appropriate. Okay. Here's what brought this on, Ben. The other day I was on the subway. Mm. I swear to you this is true. And I watched on my subway car no less than eight people yawn without covering their mouths in a wide cat-like yawn Mm. where your mouth just like flies open like a hippo. Right. And you yawn. Here's the thing. These people were not necessarily all in their, like, corner of the car by themselves in their little bubble space. This person was, like, three inches from my face and just, like... Ugh. I don't... What I don't understand is how people just go... Oh, geez, you know, I should have covered my mouth. Right. Were they unaware this was happening? I think people are just lazy and selfish. Is that what you think? Well, lazy I, and selfish. Definitely. I mean, especially when you're on the subway in New York, it is generally a very depressing place. Everyone looks miserable. They do. There's very few truly happy people on and, the subway unless they're right. they've been imbibing. Right? Yes, and if you see one who's happy, that that quickly changes because everyone who looks at that person Gives them the even dirtier look that they're already giving because, like, what the hell are you smiling about? <laughs> I used to be so carefree and bush-eyed when I first moved here, but then you things, were bush-eyed. I was bush-eyed, <laughs> and then then things happened. You were you bright-tailed also? Depended on the day, but generally, yeah. Bush-eyed. But yeah, the city. Uh, I agree with you. It's it's a it's like so pessimistic. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing you with these giant Bow Bridges uh, eyebrows. Oh, they're there. You needed you needed you needed trimming when they don't. Side. Yeah, when they don't get a trimming, they get way out of control. I mean, I would see. There's another commercial. When they don't get a trimming, they get way out of control. Get some. What was it called? Fountain. 
I don't know. Now see, it's too late. See the marketing. Didn't I gotta work. stop drinking. You before these shows. <laughs> no. It's causing too many problems. It really. Ugh. Damn it. It's really the only way we can get Ben to be calm enough to be able to sit in front of the microphone. You right said now. you would keep your mouth shut. What? All right. Uh, all right. I'll be calm. You be calm. Doris, all right. I'm stop back. that. Doris. That's that's Ben's other personality. Doris. Ugh. Anyway. It's always someone. I know. So, displays of, uh, of affection, displays mm-hmm. of discomfort, display... Now, what about the argument? Let me ask you about that. The well, public... I got. I had a. Argument. Fr- I had a friend, and and he had a girlfriend, and their whole relationship was based on arguing. And like they would, they had to be. I mean, they would argue anywhere, but especially in a public place. Uh-huh. And it, she was just, she was a fire burn, you a know. Fire burn. Yeah, it's a fire that just burns you bad. And in she, other words, in other words, she would. She would. I don't mean to cut you off, but she would. Just so I understand, she would be so intense. Mm-hmm. In her anger, visceral anger, yes, in, in in these arguments that it would scald those around her. It was it, yes, incidentally, happenstance, just so horribly. Just I wonder how many angry. different ways we can say that. By the way, incidentally, happenstance. I know. How many adjectives? By accident. In, how many adjectives can we come up with? <laughs> on the uh, 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 on the by and by on the by and by on the who's down the river that's right um but their whole they were toxic like these two really? people are toxic why did anyone go out with them well cuz they're the only two lunatics who could stand each other but no no what i mean is is why did anyone hang around with them well i was his toxic. friend but you know he and that i mean their whole relationship it was like arguing 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 and it got to the point it was just like you know you're, you know, it's embarrassing to be around that. It's embarrassing. Why do you think they stayed together, Ben? Because they're both destructive people, but they're not together anymore. They're not together. No. Which one was murdered? <laughs> <laughs> I think both of them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't like that. What, how, what do you feel? What bothers you? Well, I got two schools of thought on this. Okay. The first is, I really don't think it's appropriate to air your dirty laundry in public places. I, I do understand Hanging that, up on a clothesline. that it's tough to schedule these things. And sometimes things happen that are so crazy you can't help but, but raise your voice to somebody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a reality of a long-term relationship. It's yeah. going to happen most likely at some point. Yeah. And you can't always schedule it and say, well, in three hours we'll be home and then we will discuss this emotionally. Mm-hmm. But you, I think you should be aware of your surroundings. So I don't think it's appropriate. I think it should stay private. Um, But on the other hand, if you're going to choose to argue in a public place, especially, I don't mean out in a park. I mean like in a subway. Yes. Or in an elevator or whatever. Mm -hmm. Where you've chosen to remain in that environment... You didn't just argue from one subway stop to another and then get off. You stayed on that train ride for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and argued the entire way because you intended to arrive at the same destination together. Mm -hmm. Uh, You didn't get up and walk to another part of the car. You didn't walk to another car. You didn't get off the car. You decided to stay with each other. Well, if I choose to pay attention to your argument... Vis-a-vis the entertainment of the moment. Mm. Because you've chosen 
chosen them to make it available to me for my eyes and my ears. Right. I feel I have every right to pay attention. If I happen to look in your direction and you give me a dirty look or yell at me and say, what are you looking at? Mind your own business. What the hell do you think I'm looking at? I'm like, I got to know what happened with Tanya's friend. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I got, I mean, I've been, I've been invested in this for a half an hour. Oh, yeah. You can't leave me hanging just because you just got self-conscious. I completely agree. All right. Because you, this, you broadcasted this. Yeah, you brought it on yourself. It's like canceling a show before the final episode. I know. I it's know. It's not fair. It is completely unfair. I completely agree. So that's what my thoughts are, is if you're going to make it public, mm-hmm. number one, really be considerate and let us all hear the result of everything. Are you going to stay together? Mm-hmm. Are you not? Right. Are, are, you know, is he getting the birthday present or not? Yeah. Can she buy the car or not? Did you sleep with her friend or not? Right. I would like to know. These are the questions, Ben, are you, that I need answers Are you to. wearing her underwear or not? I know. Things that need to get if, answered. If you are going to talk, Ben, on the subway about the fact that you did not realize that you were wearing those underwear. Mm-hmm. In an elevated tone. Mm-hmm. At a large volume. In a way that we could all hear. Right. I'm seeking attention. You are one of three things. Either, yes, seeking attention, two, so dumb that you don't realize that your voice carries, mm-hmm. in which case, I guess you kind of deserve what comes to you. Right. Or you just were careless, and yeah, there's a price for negligence. Yeah, I think it's careless, completely. I mean, but I think most in most cases, it's just dumb people. Yeah, I mean... Any intelligent person wouldn't do that to themselves and advocate that type of uh, behavior. I think, yeah, there are, like you said, there are probably moments and circumstances that you need to get it settled right there and then, but you don't need to shout. Now, what and, about public displays of affection? Let's, let's turn the tables. What well, your, I'm not one to, I'm not one to not be a ridiculous man in the street, but I wouldn't, that'd be more of, um, do you mean that empirically or related to public a, displays? A of little affection? bit of both, actually. <laughs> well, I think, are you conscious of your public image? Is that the issue? No, no, no. I don't care. What I'm saying is I don't care. Oh, you're saying what goes, goes. If yeah. We're both into it, whatever. But I'm not going... Yeah, if we're both into it, whatever. I don't care. If someone wants to watch me make out, enjoy the show. But I think uh, in, you know... Like if I'm walking down the street with a lady and I just start singing really loud or something like that, that's fine. Well, but it is New York. It, well, yeah, I do that in L.A. too, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No New holds barred. LA, kind of the same thing. I do that anywhere. But also, I think, uh, you know, if you're, like, making out crazy, you, I, you know, I really don't care, actually. I really don't care. Either way is fine. Mm. It bothers you, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a certain limit. Well, there is a limit. You know, I mean, I don't think that you should, let's say, be... How can I put this properly? I... I I think there's a point at which you really should find a room. Well, definitely. But I don't think there's anything wrong with kissing someone. But molestation is inappropriate in a public place, in my opinion. Okay. But I think while I respect everyone's right to have the relationship how they want, I I really mean that. Get free. Well, but I mean, like, people that are like, oh, we don't want to hold hands in public because it's just inappropriate. I don't know that I totally agree with that. I'm like... 
what what is wrong with people knowing you're together? And what is I mean, what is your fear based on? Like, why are you afraid to do that? Yeah, I think that is a good question. Because that's what it's just. Where is that coming from? You know, like something, some insecurities or something. You know, that's an interesting point you make there. I think because let's say you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. and let's say you've been dating someone for a month. Okay. All right. You hold hands in private with her. Mm-hmm. But let's just suppose that when you're out in public, she's not as eager to hold your hand. Holding hands, I don't mean like someone walks and she quickly lets go. But she's just not as into it. But at home, she'll, she'll hold your hand all the time. In the movie theater, in the dark, she'll hold your hand. But mm-hmm. she feels weird about showing affection in public for whatever reason. So my question would be, like you said, is what would she be concerned about? Is she concerned about someone discovering that you're connected? Well, that's – yeah, because you need we'll to – yeah. do you want to be with a person who's like that? I don't. You know? Yeah, I, I would say in a, in a month I'd have a yellow flag. Yeah. A month at, though is a while. Because yeah, hand-holding but, is like the first step. That's one of the first, like, five steps of, like, I, oh, yeah. we kissed, now we're hugging a lot, now our arms around each other, we're holding hands. Like, you get yeah. physical with one another to yeah, display your happiness. One of, the first, one of the first things. Yeah. Yes. And, but I would say, let's say, I, I'm not saying this is the line, but let's say six months in, she doesn't want to hold your hand in public. I, I would definitely say. Bye. I, I'd say that's worth a discussion. Oh, definitely. Because <laughs> who knows where that goes. Well, you don't know. I mean. She Maybe could. the last person she was with who she was holding hands, a, you know, a, a wayward, loose saw blade came by, she cut the guy's hand off, and she was left holding this hand in public. Well, and it scares her, you know, she's scarred for life uh, she as, need, as he is. She needs to get over it. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not going to happen. Well, see now, you see now you were brought to her, into her world for a reason. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> To get her away from a hand chopping sailor. Oh my god! Can you imagine that walking? You walking down the street. La la la! I love you. I love you so much. Oh, we're holding hands. Ah, I will never hold hands in public again. Oh, that's so sad. Poor Janie. I know. Well, she had it coming to her anyway. You know she's a liar. Well, you know, first thing. She really shouldn't have kept all those saw blades. That's her. It's all on her anyway. Yeah. And then to stick them in that frisbee thrower. I mean, what did she think was going to happen? Kids. (laughs) Kids. So, all right. Well, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, riffing here and coming up. So let's use that as a springboard. All right. If you will. And I bet you will. Okay. Uh, Isn't that a strange saying? If you will. If you will. It's like you already threw it out there, and then you want to just check if that person's with you. So you're, you'll you'll come with us. Of course, you know, if you will. Uh, no, I won't. No. I won't come with you, I say. See, it negates itself already. What is, I know. I gave a bad example, too. Well, no, but why would you throw that possibility out? Why don't you just say, you're coming with us? Absolutely. Something you said, close. you're coming with us, if you will. Well, I was until you gave me that out. Right, exactly. Why give options? See, it's not that hard Options being a lawyer. Options yeah. are. Trying is the first step to failure. Would that be a good t-shirt, wouldn't it? Options are for wusses. 
Funky Radio. Funky Radio. It's a meet promote here, folks. That's right. All right, so what I was thinking is let's play a game called What If. Okay. Here's how this works, man. Have you played this before? I believe I have, but I can't remember. All right. What If is a way to come up with the concept of a film, as you might imagine it. Mm -hmm. And then you open it up to reimagining by the suggestions of the other person. Okay. Which may lead to other opportunities for you to reimagine. Let's see what happens. Let's go. All right. So I'll start. Okay. So, Ben, I have a great idea for a film. Hmm. What if the President of the United States is eating a cheeseburger and suddenly he chokes on it? And at the moment that the Secretary of State is giving him the Heimlich maneuver. He hits his head on a spot on the Oval Office desk and a drawer opens with a secret phone that calls aliens. It's interesting if, you know, something like that happened, but what if what if the phone instantly called the aliens and put it on speakerphone and the aliens started asking who's there who's there and no one answered and then the aliens got upset and then they came to earth and they're like yo what's up that could happen right the aliens could call on speakerphone and no one was there right but what if when they called no one was there we're sorry your call cannot be completed because Every single human being on the planet Earth had piled into a caravan of spaceships and was parked outside the alien spaceship waiting for them. Wow. All of the animals on Earth were prepared as bait in giant alien-like Mouse traps. Mm. But what if, what if the animals who had their secret superpowers that we don't know about decided to destroy the aliens and then didn't let us back onto Earth because we were like, hey, you know, you deal with it and now you're going to be food. That's what you get. And now all the animals are like, not so fa- not so fast. You guys might have to battle, you know, Battlestar Galactica it up for a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You know? It's a new adjective. Or hey, it's a new verb. It works. Battle, Battlestar Galactica rules, by the way. I do enjoy the Battlestar Galactica. Do you it's like that? It's just the best show ever. It really is. It really, really cool. was just like really. the best thing ever. If you haven't seen it, Battlestar Galactica, people. The yeah. new one yeah. with Edward James almost. Oh, it's pretty good. Home run performances yeah, look, from everyone. You don't have to like science fiction. No, it, it is. Just the writing and stuff is... Every, every episode is like a movie. Every episode is shot like a film. It's so well done. All right, let's, let's do... That was a good one. Let's play one more. Okay. One more quick round. Let me start. You start. Here's an idea for a movie. What if a banana teamed up with a mouse in 3D, of course... And their job was to save a Swiss hiker in a high mountaintop plain in the Swiss Alps. 
What would? How fortunate for the Swiss biker that he was in the Swiss Alps. Pencil and a mouse. So, so a banana. Yeah, a banana and a mouse. Not a pencil. Pencil. The are hiker. You having, are you having a, 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 a small stroke right now? Small. All the hiker has is a pencil. Okay, so the, so there's a banana and a mouse. Yes, and, and they, they talk. To, they they talk. have to rescue, and they both talk, and they have to rescue a Swiss hiker who was armed only with a pencil. In 3D. In 3D in the Swiss Alps. That's it. I think it's a great idea. I know. The one thing I, I, I would do different is instead of pencil... It's a uh, a robot. Hmm. Okay. That the, that the hiker has, and 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 instead of a banana, it, it's still it's still a uh, a mouse, but instead of a banana, uh, it's it's a, a hippopotamus, a very unlikely friend for a mouse, mm. because of course a banana is a likely friend for a mouse, right? Naturally. So, so and and what happens is when the uh, the uh, mouse and the hippo go up to the Swiss Alps and find the uh, robot with the, the Swiss hiker. What, of course, happens is they move into a ski lodge together and start running it as a B&B. The four Th- that's a good idea, but what if... What if the B&B was already occupied? By the way, can you see this as like a sitcom? Yeah. It's a robot, the mouse, the hippo, and the hiker, and the B&B. <laughs> I can't see that. Just watching them all like walk on in. But what if the B&B yeah. was already owned by a family of ghosts who said, No, we still, fun- we still operate this place to its ultimate capacity. They're in denial, these ghosts. They are. But what if ghosts took over the B&B and started haunting our friends, the hiker? Wow, interesting. So we have ghosts haunting the hiker, robot, mouse, and hippo. Yeah. And, and I like that idea. And what if, though, instead of a B&B... What the ghosts were haunting, uh, a shooting gallery. Mm. Because they are all firearm enthusiasts at one point who were killed on the shooting gallery. And chestnut of a tail. I know. And so, whatever that means. <laughs> and what happens is, uh, one by one, the hippo, the mouse, the, and the, uh, the Swiss hiker are uh, systematically assassinated by the robot who turns out to be a killer robot from the alien race. That's good. Well, I think we could make that. Yeah, I think we could make that too. That might be a hit. That, well, with today's standards, that's already a multi-multi-billion dollar film. <laughs> I know. It's going to at least be on you know the TLC channel or something. At least. I mean, once Honey Boo Boo goes off the air, what's what going to replace it? That's, this is going to come on like after one of those like addiction shows, or <laughs> you know. Next, after addiction, <laughs> yeah, intervention. It's Tim the robot, and he's angry. It's <laughs> a robot killing people, and like that's the whole trailer. <laughs> that's the whole trailer, and he's mad. He's like, he's like, ah! yeah, he's got a real <laughs> attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of like that, it's like. <laughs> An Indian robot? No. <laughs> no. No, that would be like... Ooh. No, I was thinking actually more like the robot from Buck Rogers where he's like... 
Hey, Buck. Beep, 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 beep. Do I don't know, know what that is. That's but before your time. That's been way before oh, my yeah. time. All right, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to share that with you Back so you can know what I'm talking people about. People were named Buck, Buck Rogers, not the old Buck Rogers from like the 20s or 30s or whatever. There was, was one before. I still the, don't know who it is. Probably that was no, no. There was one after that with Gil Gerard, and uh, and there was this little robot. I don't know what it was called, but he was like his when he went into the future. Buck Rogers went into the future. How much have you drank today? Nothing. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so, uh, and he had this little robot, and the robot would talk like this. He'd go, sure, Buck. Really? You don't know that? I have no idea. All right. Well, I just made a fool of myself. That's right. Thousands of people. I'll YouTube it tonight. I know. And then check it out. I'll be good. Watch. You're going to know what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh,. I have a feeling I know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? I'm going to take a guess. Are we going to be interviewing someone? Yeah, it's time for an interview with our guest of the day. All right. Mr. Miles Maker. Miles is a very intriguing cat. He is a filmmaker. He is a story creator. He is a scriptwriter. He's a director. He's a marketer. It's so many things. And I met him one time by... Uh, getting cast in in a couple of projects he was working on and uh, uh he's out in LA now and uh, we've been fortunate enough to schedule some time with him so uh let's get him on the phone Elsie uh can you uh ring up Miles All and right. uh we'll talk to him so I think you're going to like him Ben he's a it's pretty fascinating dude I'm looking forward to it and uh hopefully he'll talk about this uh pretty well-known film named Pariah that uh, he was involved with on the production side. Fantastic. All right, it looks like we got him on the phone. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to a truly rising filmmaker. Uh, started out in New York, and now he's out in L.A. doing his thing, lighting up Tinseltown. Right here on the phone with us on Monkey Radio, Ben, is rising filmmaker and communicator... And scriptwriter and director and you name it, Miles Maker. Miles, welcome to Monkey Radio. Thanks for having me, Monkey Radio. So glad to have you on the show. Uh, let's start out with this. Let's let's talk a little bit about Miles Maker. I've seen a lot of descriptions on the internet as I as I reach you, uh, research you a little bit. I, I I've met you personally. As an actor, I've auditioned for you, and I've seen kind of a variety of different approaches to your bio. So I guess I, I guess I really, you know, it's like the resume that you custom tailor depending on who the audience is. So I guess I want to ask you point blank: Who is Miles Maker? How do you view yourself? How do you want to be presented publicly at this point in your life? At this point in your career? Tell our listeners who you are. Okay, and it's actually a really good question, you know, because, um, you know, some of us know exactly what we want to do in the business, and we've known, you know, for years and years, and we're pursuing this really straightforward goal. Right. And with me, I really fell in love with the business before I really knew what I wanted to do, and I've been finding my way the whole way along. And some of it is literally certain uh, skill sets are putting me in situations 
mountains that uh, have expanded my horizons in a different direction and I just have followed those versus maybe what I initially wanted to do when I first got into business, which I, I you know, if someone would have asked me five years ago, what are you, what are you and what are you going to do? I would have said, you know, I'm a movie director. I write scripts and I direct films and I found myself uh, marketing movies and producing, but it was more of a survival in the business, pay the bills, but also certain skill sets just seem to just suit me really well. So there's older bios that might say, you know, I'm a screenwriter and director. Um, but then, you know, more recent stuff is probably tagging me more along the lines of like uh, marketing movies and uh, developing uh, stories to get them, you know, packaged and sold. So if I had anything to say right now, I would just pretty much say that, um, you know, I love stories. I love movies. And what I'm doing is, is connecting dots. I'm taking story ideas, scripts, concept stage, helping get them, uh, written on paper properly so we can attach the right talent. And then literally going out and finding that funding or setting up, you know, foreign sales model type distribution opportunities so that money will flow through the production and a movie will get made out the other side. So I'm calling myself a, a story producer right now. Got it. Well, that's 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 a little bit of a journey from where you started. Now you're in LA now, and you started yeah. out in New York, right? Yeah, I did start in New York, and um, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, what do they call it, a spring chicken? I'm I'm actually 44 this year, and I didn't get in the business till I was, um, well, I was seven years ago. So when I first came to New York seven years ago, uh, I had not been in the movie business at all. I'd lived a few other places. Um, I had just come from hanging out in England for a couple of years. Uh, and I just knew that I had been fiddling around the fringes. And I said to myself, well, when I come back, you know, I'd been over in England two years. And I was like, when I come back, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to commit to being in the business full time. So I landed in New York and I just began to create you know, my new existence in the movie business. So uh, that's that's really what started it all, New York City and just getting involved in the movie scene in New York, the independent film community, and following that wherever it took me, which ultimately last year brought me here to L.A. We're going to get to that in a second, but I want to go back to something you said. Hanging out in England for a couple of years. Let's, let's <laughs> What does that mean? I mean, are you just, were you just you know, doing a pub crawl or, or were you working in the business or were you sightseeing or did you have a girlfriend over there? What, how do you hang out in England for a couple of years? And please, as visual as possible, I need as much help as I can get over here. <laughs> and I did it actually legally, but it started out, um, I did meet a girl online. By the way, that's, that's how all stories should start. I did so legally, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I, I met a girl online and um, we felt that we were like really great for each other. And she was like, well, come to England. And I was like, I'm broke. I don't have any money. And she was like, I'll pay your flight. So uh, I remember I had, a, I had $3.68 in my pocket when I landed in London. And within a week, it didn't work out with her and I. And she pretty much was like, get the hell out of here. But I had a ticket that was good for several weeks and I didn't, I couldn't afford to change it. So I just went online and met another girl and uh, <laughs> ended up hanging out with her. And before I knew it, I was making friends and I extended my stay. And uh, which, you know, if you're an American, you can stay there up to six months anyway without any kind of visa. Hmm. But at some point, you know, um, I was actually able to get um, 
a grant, which I'd never got in the U.S. for any creative anything. But over there, I applied for a creative grant, and I was actually able to uh, go to kind of a summer film school. So I was able to extend my stay basically as like a grant recipient student. And that extended me legally to work, you know, 20 hours a week max. So I started bartending in a bar, which that was cool because they loved my American accent working behind the bar. And before I knew it, I looked up and it was two years later and I was ready to come home. You know, Miles, this is a a film script or a TV concept all by itself. You're a little story there. (laughs) I'm listening to it and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it come together as a, as a, as a film story, have you thought about that? Not, not, not necessarily to say at this point in you know forty four, which in Hollywood is of course like you know two hundred eighty seven years old, but forty four, you know that you've lived your life and have this story to tell per se. But that that's a pretty kind of interesting turn of events. Uh, have you ever considered trying to shape that into a narrative? Well, you know, I thought about it because you know uh, pubs over there are different than bars here, and. Uh, how the the drinking culture is different and all and exactly what beer is you know there it's real beer over there it's it's non-pasteurized you know tapped and um, they've got the cellars and the right temperature and the right angle on the stilt and you know you're really dealing with like live cultures in the beer and um, I was so you know educated by that process that I was really thinking about some type of a movie where maybe some you know college kind of kid ends up going over to England, maybe inheriting some pub, and he has to, you know, figure out, you know, what what the world thinks of, you know, drinking, you know, what the difference is, you know, versus sort of the frat idea we have in the, the ice-cold beer commercials we get, which is totally opposite of what, you know, the world's best beer is supposed to be. We've got it all backwards here with the ice brewing and ice-cold Budweiser and all that. It's uh, it's a totally different product. It's It's actually room temperature. And the alcohol ingredients or the alcohol content is like sometimes going toward 12%. You know, it's really high, like, you know, maybe six or seven to about 12%. Miles, I have to tell you that interviewing you as a filmmaker, I never thought the correct temperature of beer would have come up in our conversation. (laughs) Good, man. It got to a point where, you know, I would just, it's like a tall glass of milk. It was like refreshing. And I totally get how, you know, over there, man, like, like I was in, at, at one point I was in the middle of England. We're not talking sophisticated London. We're talking the middle of England. It's like rural England. And you'd have these old guys that would come in these pubs and they'd be wearing like a suit jacket but it would be covered with these patches. And the patches are basically what you earn when you've reached a certain uh, a certain proficiency in drinking. So you could earn each, each pub around the, the countryside would have their own special patch. And if a guy walked in covered in patches on his suit, then you know he's a professional drinker and he's ready to just, whatever he's gonna do, he's, he's there and he's serious. And those are those same people you hear about with the football games, the hooligans, you know, that travel the world with the World Cup, start fights in bars. Wow. We need more culture. Miles, let's switch gears a little bit and uh, talk. get back to, I don't know, filmmaking. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, I know. But So you're in L.A. right now. Now, what specifically brought you to L.A.? What made you make that change from New York to L.A., first of all? And I'd really like you to touch on what's been... Before we get to your great successes, I'd really like you to talk about those moments when you might have thought about giving it all up. 
Oh man, let me tell you that that is all the time. That is, you know, even as as recent as a month or two ago, you know, we get this idea in our mind about, you know, what making it is, or we, we try to kind of set personal goals for ourselves, And we're like, you know, Hey, by this age, I want to have achieved this or, you know, Hey, I'm moving to LA and I'm, you know, by this time I want to achieve whatever. And at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're faced every day with like major challenges. And one of the major challenges with LA is sustaining yourself on this push and you you're in a town where most all the people that are here are not from here and they're all here to do the same thing so it is extremely competitive and you somehow must stay above water because you can't pay your rent with hope you know so it's like you it's sink or swim and i love the challenge and at the same time the challenge sometimes hits a point where you're like wow am i going to get through this time am i going to pay my rent or am i going to end up on the street and you know you hear about a lot of celebrities who were previously on the street and somehow fought through it and um i hope that you know that's not going to be me you know i have to ask myself all the time at what point do i say, okay, it worked for a while because, you know, it's an ebb and flow with the business. Things might go good for a few months, especially as a freelancer. And then you might look up and there's no work for a minute. And did you hedge that with some money in the bank? And what are you going to do to pull yourself back out? So when I left New York, I left on a high note. Um, I'd been involved in a movie called Pariah that uh, we won cinematography at Sundance, got picked up by Focus Features, which is yeah. the theater. Yeah, it was a good little run for a, a very small little movie. And from that, I felt like, all right, this is my time to come to L.A. because I can pick up the phone and I can set a meeting. And all they have to the intern or whoever has to do is Google my name and they're going to see my involvement with the movie and I'll get the meeting, which I was right. You know, you've got to use this momentum, you know. So I made the move. I came out here with little or no money, kind of the same way I went to uh, England. And I just started hitting the pavement really hard. And uh, one of the blessings that I'll say that, you know, I have for me is that the marketing stuff keeps me afloat where normally, you know, a filmmaker is only getting money when he's making and selling a film. And a lot of times the making of the film, they can't even pay themselves. They're believing in what they're doing and scraping up, en up enough money to pay, hopefully, the cast and crew and feed people. Right. And uh, then they want to get paid on the back end. They have this belief. You know, and until you get into bigger movies or you actually get a salary to direct, you've got to sort of prove what you can do. But with marketing, you know, I realized I could tap into movies out here that need marketing. They already have budgets, and this is how I'm going to pay my rent while I'm trying to get movies off the ground. Um, but I'll tell you, it took a minute. Um, I did spend about a month, what I'll call uh, coffee shop crawling, where basically there's enough 24 hour type coffee shops and Denny's and stuff out here where if you don't have a place to sleep, you can sleep sitting up with a cup of coffee. And, uh, I'll tell you the amazing thing about that. You'll be surrounded by actors and screenwriters and filmmakers. Mm. It, that what a typical bum is out here could be one of those people very easily. It depends what part of town you're in versus New York where you step over a bum and they're probably somebody that, doesn't have much of a future ahead of them to look for. These are people who are 
um, what I call, you know, kind of pseudo homeless, because you might live out of a car, you might live out of a gym locker. Um, but as long as you can get yourself dressed and cleaned up and go to meetings and go to parties and play the game, that may turn out to be your big break, then that's what everybody's doing. And once I realized everyone was doing it or a huge portion of people, I just learned to realize that it's all about the technique and how you get out of that situation really quickly. You it's, know? A, it's amazing what people will tolerate mm -hmm. and what they'll do for the, the belief you're talking about and their art and the entrepreneurial American dream spirit. Uh, let, let us ask you, Miles, uh, as as both Ben and I have had, and I, I'm pretty confident you've had, there must be projects, Miles, that you've worked on, that you've nurtured and developed and have been your baby. And you've brought them to a point where they were cast. You brought them to a point where they were written. You were even getting people involved with investing. And you had put it out there that this thing was going to happen. And this was going to be maybe that success you looked for. And then... Two years later, three years later, you look back and you realize that didn't happen. And all of that momentum that you swept up, all of the promises you made, all of the effort you put in, the dreams you ignited in people have, just by virtue of this machine of filmmaking, have come to a halt or a pause or a, a sleep or whatever you want to call it unknowing whether they will ever be awakened again. So I guess my question is talk about that if you would and 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 how you come to terms with that both for yourself as a person and the the angst, the guilt, the responsibility of the dreams that you ignite in other people. Is that a fair question? Yeah, it really is and um you know you, you're describing it in, in a really realistic, painful way, and that's exactly what it is. You know, we, especially now in the age of social media where we get excited about something, we tweet and we post about it. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm about to do this. I'm doing this. Guess what? We're in development with this. You're sharing pictures behind the scenes. You're, you're, you know, you do the script reading and you're posting that folder of photos. And it's a very transparent thing where everyone's looking at you and looking at this machine moving and then suddenly one day something in the machine breaks yeah. it could be an investor pulling out it could be who there's so many different things um that can happen and there you are standing there with a broken piece of machinery trying to explain to everybody why it's not going to get fixed and that's a very painful thing to do and um you know it's interesting you know you're bringing this up and the making of Brooklyn was, was my, um, that was my passion project movie. And, and, you know, you were cast in a man that I just, even to this day, I think about it and I'm just think about the role that you were going to deliver there. That was just not only crucial to the film, but there was something you brought in the audition that was above and beyond what I envisioned in the role of the doctor. Oh, and wow. knowing Thanks, that Miles. just kind of knowing that that will probably not happen you, you know, you kind of have to have this thick skin. And it's also the idea that once you start, you know, paying attention to these extras on DVDs and these interviews and these um, Hollywood roundtables, and you begin to realize that most movies actually don't get made. And the average time of, for a movie getting made from script to screen is approximately 
five to seven years. Right. And when you have this realistic approach to look, this thing's going to break down and then you're going to pick it up again and then it might break down again. But if you really have this tenacity, you're going to keep pitching it and moving it forward and inching and inching and some maybe things will come together one day and maybe they never will. You know, it's funny you say that. I think that's one of the things that separates, if you will, the men from the boys. Someone once said about sales, the difference between the person that's successful and the person that isn't successful is that the person who's successful is willing to do the things that the unsuccessful person is not willing to do. And and I think there's great truth in that. And you think about the the actors, you know, I see so many very, very talented actors who are outlived are are don't have as much stamina as maybe even lesser talented actors who end up being more successful because they just stuck it out longer they had greater courage they had greater stamina they had trust funds they whatever it was they stayed in longer uh filmmakers too you know they just stick it out longer and you know i i give you credit for going as long as you are. I appreciate where you were with Brooklyn and and that's certainly not why I asked the question that I did. But you know, I had a pilot that I put together and I spent a good year on, maybe more, and it was a really great idea and I cast it and I had music recorded for for it and I had anim, an animation team working on it and we were going places, man, I'm telling you. And then all of a sudden the dream just kind of died. I I wasn't yeah. in love with it anymore. I didn't believe it in anymore. And I think once you don't believe in it anymore, it's very tough to motivate other people. And, 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 and I don't, that doesn't happen overnight. It may happen because an investor pulls out. It may happen because a better idea comes along. It may happen because suddenly you feel a little more poor. It may happen for whatever reasons it doesn't happen. And yeah. uh, it's so important. I'm sorry, I didn't bring you on to you know wax poetic myself, but uh, <laughs> you, you know I, I really identify with what you're saying about the making of Brooklyn, your, one of your films that you, you have yeah. you know had in, in the middle over time. And who knows, maybe it will resurface when the time is right for you. Uh, well, but, ironically, you know, uh, two weeks ago, it's just ironic you'd say that. Uh, you know, I sat in a meeting with a distributor who has put out some pretty major films as of late, Arbitrage, uh, Margin Call, yeah. um, some really nice movies, Winner's Bone. And we were just shooting the crap about, you know, ideas. What do you got on the table? What are you working on? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, somewhere along the subject theme conversation, the script came up. And uh, I dusted it off and sent it over there. So they're reading it. And, you know, what you're saying about staying power, this is exactly what it is. I think if, if, you, lose, if you lose your passion for a particular project, sometimes it, it could be burnout. And what that means is if you put all your eggs in this one basket, it's, it's a lot easier to get burned out. If you're saying, I'm a professional in this business, I have multiple projects in development, I don't know which one at any given time is going to take off, but I'm going to work these things as a professional, then you're basically hedging your, not only hedging your bets, but you're allowing the you to, to move the career forward versus the project break you in. And then therefore, you can sit in a meeting and pitch three or four or five things, and now they realize, well, we like this guy. So maybe none of these four or five things work out today, but we want to see this guy three months from now and see what else he's got. And maybe at some point the right thing comes to the table and we do this movie together. Oh, yeah. 
Well, look at all the projects. I mean, think about all the pilots that are made, TV pilots that are made oh, that nobody ever sees with big stars in them. Yeah. And no one, no one even knows they were made. And, yeah. uh, and there's just too much, too much going on that, that never quite makes it. To, but, but I got to tell you, Miles, um, one of the reasons I said to Ben, we had to have you on the show is you're someone I, I really believe in. I, I think you're going to be one of those people that would look back on and say that, you know, that he finally caught his wave. And I, I really think that the sky's the limit with you. And I hope whether it's the making of Brooklyn or another project brings you the rest of the way. And I'd love to have you back on the program sometime so that we can see what you've been up to since the last time we talked. Oh, man, I'd love to. And, um, you know, we got to catch up anyway. I, you know, I'm not in New York anymore, but when I get back in town, you know, I want to hang out and just kind of see what you're up to. Let's you're an that. amazingly multi-talented guy. And to, you know, now be interviewed by you on radio after audi- after you auditioning for a role who knows how many years ago, <laughs> you know, it does say something about both of our staying power, you know, in the business yeah. period. You know, you, I feel like we should be saying you're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks a lot, man. Well, listen, uh, let's uh, before we get to our, our little uh, our little game here, uh, we're, we're just about out of time. But uh, is there anything in particular that you'd like to put out there as a, as a plug or a way people to connect with you or something that you, you, you want to put out in the world uh, on our show? Well, um, I will say, you know, this idea of developing and packaging is is um, a big deal for me now because I'm in a position now where the right idea, me walking in a room, it can get done. And so what it means is I cannot just rely on my own ideas because they're not enough and I'm not writing as much as I used to. So what I'm actually doing now is really looking for ideas from other people and scripts that other people have written that if it seems to fit what I can plug – I will go to bat for that project and I'll walk in the room uh, with that and pitch that. So if anyone has a screenplay that's sort of a genre movie, we're talking maybe action adventure, horror, thriller, sci-fi area um, that's, you know, exciting and seems to be a unique take on a, you know, even a unique take on a zombie movie, for instance, Um, I'm having the right meetings where, it's just a matter of connecting dots. And I would say, you know, hit me up by email. Don't send the script. Send me your quick uh, description of the movie. And then I'll write you back and say, hey, I'd like to read it. And we'll go from there. And how can people connect with you? Uh, stories at milesmaker.com. Stories at milesmaker.com. Hit Miles up. He's a good dude. And uh, I hope that maybe at least one person will hear this and and reach out to you, Miles. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. Let's play a little game called What If. Ben and I played a little earlier on the show. The way it works is uh, it's it's not a new idea, but uh, we'll come up with a film premise. You know, see if you can do better. And we'll we'll demonstrate. We'll We'll see where we take it. All right, Ben. I'll start it off. You pick it up, and then Miles can take it from there, and we'll we'll go round and round a couple of rounds here. Hey, Ben, I got an idea. What if there were two rabbis on a boat in the middle of the ocean, and suddenly a plane crashed next to their boat? Well, that's a great idea, and I appreciate your enthusiasm, but... 
What if this boat that you're speaking of yeah. wasn't on the ocean, but in fact was stuck on top of an iceberg in the Arctic? A boat on top of an iceberg on the Arctic. Right. With the rabbis. I'm just thinking in you know realism here. Uh-huh. So what if this boat that's stuck on the iceberg, its problem is that it's teetering to one side to the other, and in there lies your climax? Gotcha. So you got two rabbis on a boat. On an iceberg in the Arctic, and a plane crashes next to it. Yeah. Just wow. a bunch of bad timing. Wow, that's rough. Uh, I don't know, Miles, what do you think about this? Well, you know, I, I like where you guys are going with this. It's, it's really sounding right up my alley. But what if, you know, <laughs> on that boat that's teetering there as the plane crashes, yeah. that boat was actually occupied by Somali pirates? Somali pirates? And yeah, some Somali pirates, and those Somali pirates were actually looking to capture those two rabbis to hold them hostage. Wow. You know, okay, I love where you went with that, Miles. A boat teetering in the Arctic uh, on an iceberg with Somali pirates looking to capture rabbis, and a plane crashes next to it. But I'd like to just jack it up a bit. What if the plane that crashed was actually filled with rabbinical students. And and what happened was that the Somali pirates in this boat were so excited about their great wealth of rabbinical students that crashed in this plane next to them that they had simultaneous heart attacks because they are, in fact, conjoined Somali pirate twins. <laughs> And uh, and fortunately, one of the rabbinical students happens to be a student, a medical student in cardiology. At the same time, he's a dual a dual major. What do you think, Ben? I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. Oh wait, how about if this happened? What if the conjoined pirate Somalian twins that found themselves upon this boat weren't at all pirates, but instead? were philanthropists. <laughs> and I will end... Okay. Philanthropists. Philanthropists. So what do we got? We've got, we got a, a plane mm -hmm. with rabbinical students. Right. And I don't even know what rabbinical means. They're, they're, they're studying to be rabbis. They're training to be rabbis? Yes. I still stick in with my philanthropists. Oh, no, the, so the philanthropists are in the plane? Right, but they're at war, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. In my head, there's been a war because pirates are evil. So okay. I just assumed there was Got a war going so on. Pirates on the iceberg. On an iceberg. Miles, am I at all making sense to you? Yeah, yeah, you're making sense. But you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something here. I'm Br yeah. I'm bring, seeing, bring us home, Miles. Bring us home. Yeah, I'm seeing that 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 plane was actually a plane that had just traveled 200 years into the future. And they just come, come through a black hole, and that's why they completely lost control. So these rabbinical students were actually future rabbinicals. They had, they had far exceeded what those two rabbis ever thought they knew about the religion. And so now we're having this joining of the rabbinical faith with Somali pirates there um, as the messiahs. That's well, like the now, Capulets see, and the Montagues. Miles, that is a movie I would go see. I am sold. That's what we're talking about. That is how you play What If. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's Miles Maker proving why he's in the movie business. Miles, thanks for joining us on the program. We'll definitely have you back in the future. Let's do catch up. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Miles Maker, everyone. All right, Ben. That was a great interview. Miles Maker, what a what a match. Nice guy. Nice Very guy. Intriguing too. Yeah. And I still think that story when he was in England. Oh, that's definitely turn that into a film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can uh, help it ignite that dream. Let's see if we can ignite a fire dream. All right, great show today. And mm-hmm. guess what time it is? Come End on, of I show know food. you. Know. End of show food. Here we go. End of show food. All right, let's go. Uh, Let's let's see if we can get Elsie in here. Elsie, Elsie, could you come in here, please? Time for end of show food. There she is. Hello, Elsie. She loves bacon. She's cantankerous, and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer. It's Elsie. Hi. What do you got for us today? End of show food, my mm. favorite part of the show. Well, it's um, technically not a food. It's a beverage. Wait, this is a first mm. end of show beverage. Sort of. You'll have to change the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we will. Uh, all right, well, this is interesting. What do we got here? I have brought to you a white birch beer. Birch beer? Yeah, I love it's, birch It's beer. non-alcoholic. Just don't let the word beer fool you. Okay. <laughs> you had what, me going. I know. I'm so excited though, right? Yeah. It, no. It's made with pure cane sugar, so you're not going to have any of that weird chemical sweetener stuff. Ooh. Is it actually, got the bottle here, is it actually made with birch? With like the... the yes, there are trees in it. There are tree, trees <laughs> and cane sugar. What more could you trees want? These are good. Pure carbonated water, cane sugar, flavoring. Well, flavoring's always good. Glad they were specific about that. And then and then a preservative. Sounds like uh, nutritious. I'm down. But All this right, is so can I just open it now? Yeah, go ahead and open it. You are cantankerous today. Mm. Nice. She's opening it. Pour a little vigorous. Oh, it smells good. Have you ever had birch beer? I have not. Really? No. Oh, you're in for a treat. Birch beer is good. And actually this this birch beer. It, there's you. different types of birch beer. The birch beer with, where they color it mm-hmm. to make it look more, I don't know. Red. Red. And then there's white birch beer, which is not as easy to find. Hmm. Especially like this, which is, uh, I don't know where you found this, Elsie, but this is, uh, with the cane sugar, it's much more natural than the other types, I guess. I would think so. So, wow, it smells really good. It smells birchy. It well, does I, smell birchy. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Mm, tastes like root beer. Only more like birch beer. It's definitely got a nicer <laughs> sweetness to it. It's very smooth. Very, it's very smooth. light. You can tell it's like pure. Yeah. There's yeah, a, yeah. You know? There's no none of that um that low end birch beer right. finish. I don't think we need to go into that again. But yeah. <laughs> I was just so many times <laughs> we've had incorrect birch beer. Anyway, what a great show. Thank you everybody. Thank you, Elsie. You're welcome. That Pleasure. Was so nice. you're saying I am two for two now. I think you're two for two. You're two for two. That other fiasco. Yeah, that's true. We have everyone improved. like turned up their noses at the anchovy stuffed olives. Oh god. Ugh. No, that was nightmares. Horrible. But 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 yes, uh, last show we had that phenomenal Phenomenal uh, beef jerky from that place in Cleveland, and then yes. you got today uh, all natural birch beer. Delicious. Uh, I'm I'm feeling good about you with the uh, end of show food slash beverage. Why? Thank you. 
Thank you, Elsie. All right. Glad you approve. Now I can sleep at night. Okay. Well, I knew that was all that was keeping you up. That and the saxophone playing from none of your business. Oh, wait. He's never around. He's not around when he plays. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, just a reminder, please go to our website, monkeyradio.info, and click on Operation Shatner Face Stewart. Help us raise money for charity and get one of these celebrities, hopefully on our show for an interview. What a great accomplishment that would be, but only with your help. You can donate as little as a dollar. All you do is go to our website, monkeyradio.info, click on the banner that's on our homepage, and it will take you right to the campaign where you can donate. And thank you so much for listening. A great way to start 2013 off. Oh, yes. Celebrating our strong listenership, our wonderful audience like you, and all of the things ahead. So we'll see you next time. Steam and Pat. All right. Let's have more of that birch beer. It's very birch. This has been Monkey Radio. Live long and prosper. By the way, I'm doing the Vulcan hand thingy too. You just can't see it because it's radio. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.